Welcome to Politics Weekly. I'm your host, Nolan Cleary. Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. This week, conservative Latino and I discuss President George H.W. Bush's death, Michael Avenatti removing himself from consideration for president in 2020, and more. Welcome to Politics Weekly. Uh, we are here this week with conservative... Is it Latino conservative or conservative Latino? Conservative Latino. Okay, we're here this week with conservative Latino. So, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your your ideology. You know, um, what, like what type of conservative are you? Are you like a moderate conservative? Are you like a liberty Republican are you uh, a paleo, or you know, are you populist? Like, like, what, what, what type of conservatism do you believe in? Um. Well, uh, so I started off obviously with um, like democratic, uh, like ideology. I was raised in California, born and raised, and so I believe a lot of you know democratic. Uh, tendencies, more policies, higher taxes, stuff like that, right? They're, they're for the people. Uh, it wasn't really until 2016 that I kind of started leaning the other way. Um, uh, whether people like to admit it or not, Trump has done more for politics than any president in at least my lifetime. Um, they got He's gotten more people involved and stuff, you know, and uh, I, I feel, um, you know, I, I switched uh, my registry from Democrat to uh, Republican, um, even though I identify myself more, I feel, uh, as a libertarian. So if I had to really na- nail it down, um, although I don't agree with a lot of uh, libertarians, I know there are some libertarians out there that uh, are like zero taxes, you know, the government should have no power, yada, 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 yada. Um, so I find like I'm more of a moderate conservative. Um, there are some things that I do lean a little left on. There are more things that I lean a little bit to the right on. So I think it just very uh, it varies on the topic or policy that we're talking about. Uh, when it comes to taxes, obviously the lower the better. Uh, when it comes to government, the smaller the better, you know. Um, but I feel like um, uh, there are some topics that I can probably reason with, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. Those were my political views, more of, you know. So. All right. Well, why don't we get right into the news uh, then? Uh, so uh, starting this week, the first uh, news story, uh, the death of a president. Uh, as most of you probably know uh, by now, former President uh, George H.W. Bush has died at the age of 94. His funeral was yesterday. 
uh, Wednesday, or uh, yesterday as of the time we're recording this, um, and uh, he, he served as president from uh, 1989 to 1993. Um, what are your thoughts on the passing of President Bush Sr.? Um, so this is something I struggle with a little bit more. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of conservatives and Republicans have uh, regard him in the highest esteem. I, I do, res- as a veteran myself, I do respect uh, him serving our country. Um, however, I, I do have, um, you know, through research and stuff, some negative views on the guy as, as far as the deep state and the CIA and, and all that stuff entails. Um, obviously, when someone dies... Uh, unless there were really, really bad people that just, you know, executed people or passed policies that hurt minorities or, or anything like that, I really couldn't care less if they died or not. You know, looking back, like the Che Guevara's, Hitler's, people like that, you know. But obviously, it's respectable. You know, he was he was a president. You respect the office. Um, again, serving his country, you know, and, and, and being that. But personally, I'm not a huge Bush family fan, and I'm not a huge Clinton fan family fan and i wouldn't say they're necessarily hand in hand um but i personally chose not to post anything on the guy uh on on 41st on my page just because um my personal take on him maybe is not in line with the most popular conservative movement um may he rest in peace you know obviously it sucks when a father is taken away from his children it sucks when you know, someone dies, especially a president. Um, he just wasn't one of my favorite presidents, and I think I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to add to that, or should we move on? No, I think that's pretty much about it. All right. So then let's move on. So uh, this week, in a minor win for the gun control movement, uh, Donald Trump uh, announced he would be banning bump stocks. Um, this got polarized, uh, reaction from Trump's base. Um, uh, what, what were your thoughts? I, I, now I believe, I believe you are a Trump supporter, correct? Um, yeah, for the most part, I agree with a lot of his policies that he's passed. Um, obviously what he's accomplished so far as well. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things he probably shouldn't say. <laughs> I, th- I think his mouth and his Twitter rents put him more in trouble but um, for the most part i would say i support a lot of his policies yes uh what are your thoughts on the bump stock ban uh that he just uh signed into law well as a second amendment pro second amendment uh myself uh, enthusiast you know uh i don't think this was the right move i know a lot of people argue that bump stocks can be made at home that if if only you modify the way you hold your weapon that could be uh, considered a bump stock um obviously i think it's a win as far as maybe getting some of the more moderates some of the independent people on board uh because despite people saying that obama was going to take away people's guns and stuff uh to my recollection he never passed any laws that infringe on people's right to bear arms or any modifications and trump is actually the first one to do it in the last decade or so um, I think he probably pissed off a lot of his fan base. Um, I wasn't necessarily like pissed off. I just think that any infringement on the Second Amendment is an infringement of the Second Amendment. I don't think it was a smart move, personally. Um, I don't think it was necessary because this obviously 
uh, goes back to the Las Vegas shooter. And um, people want to say that this guy had a bump stock, but there's no proof to it. Um, there's not even any sufficient evidence or, or um, there wasn't enough time to do the investigation. And none of it has been released to the public as far as really what happened in Las Vegas. I know some people on the far right, uh, including Alex Jones, uh, calls this a conspiracy. Um, I'm not a huge conspiracy, conspiracy theorist myself, um, but I do think that banning bump stocks pissed off a lot of people. I've seen a lot of major pages like DZ Drano, a lot of Instagram uh, major followings. They were not happy about this, uh, including right uh, far right um, journalists um, like Breitbart. I know some of their journalists had some um, things to say about that, and I just don't think it was a smart idea, to be honest. But I think in doing so, you know, um, like I said, he might get some moderates, some independents that now are more in favor of Trump because of passing this law. Do you think that there are any gun control legislations you'd be willing to get behind? Um, honestly, I, I, you know, uh, Second Amendment is, the, the, you know, the right to bear arms and stuff. But I, I do think that... Um, not so much common sense gun laws. I kind of hate that as a blanket statement, as a, a solid wall. Um, but I think there could be some laws, you know, uh, that I can get behind. Um, I, I don't think one of them was like removing the guns from privately owned stores. I think that's pretty stupid, like dicks, you know, and now their stocks are plummeting. Um, they're, they're, I wouldn't say there's a lot of them. The thing is, the way I would see it is I would need to look at a scenario, right, where. Uh, a mass shooting occurred and i would have to see okay if we change this law this it would have stopped this but i think uh passing laws or getting rid of laws and rights isn't really solving what's really at the root which is just evil people wanting to cast cause mass harm to other people you know uh the sit you can grab a car and do this you can grab a knife and do this if you really want to kill someone you know the only people that gun laws really hurt are law-abiding citizens because someone that wants to kill people are not going to go by the laws. So I would say I would it would have to be a case-by-case. Case. I would have to see what went wrong during that mass shooting that maybe uh, a, a law that was passed, maybe like, you know, more background checks. Uh, and the thing is, you know, a lot of these mass shootings, uh, law enforcement was to blame. You know, you, you look at Florida, the Burlwood County sheriffs, they were warned multiple times about this young man that went into the high school and shot up uh, all those people. Uh, they called him saying that he was suicidal. He called himself saying that he was planning on doing something harmful to himself and others because he was going through this depression. Um, then you look at the YouTube shooter, the, the lady uh, that shot up at the YouTube headquarters because her, her page was being taken down. Um, the FBI was notified. They even talked to her, I think, the, the morning of or the day before the shooting, and they let her go. So I, I think that, you know, obviously it's it's really hard for any agency to take every single call seriously. But I think that there can be more done on their end to thoroughly investigate what's going on with these people and, and talk to their family. Instead of just approaching the person and saying, hey, you OK? Yeah, I'm OK. All right. You seem OK to me. All right. Bye. You know, and. And, and so I think a lot of that is something that is overseen um, in these scenarios. So, uh, again, just kind of going back, there's not much that laws could have stopped these people because a lot of these people, they either legally own the gun or they were in legal possession of the gun or they had no priors. 
So you're always going to have those outlier um, situations where there's really no law that could be passed other than just restricting that gun or gun modification or just banning guns altogether that would have stopped that. But again, it, the only people that are going to hurt are law-abiding citizens because illegal uh, people are going to continue to buy these guns illegally to cause harm. When you look yeah. to when you look to the 2020 election, do you think that this could hurt Trump with his base uh, come 2020 and maybe lead to some voters staying home or some conservative voters staying home? Um, I think it potentially could. I think it would really rely on the people who are running as Democrats. So uh, the only people that could really use this against Trump are other Republicans saying, hey, you know, Republicans and conservatives are seen as pro-Second Amendment. And this guy, Donald Trump, look at the laws he's passed to infringe on those rights. This is why you should vote for me. So I think it would hurt him in the sense of other Republican candidate candidates using that against them and people being like, you know what, this guy's right. Like this guy did infringe on our rights and, and it's not okay. Because if he already did this one, if we give him another four years, what else is he going to ban? But I don't think the Democrats are going to be able to use that against them because obviously the Democrats are anti-Second Amendment. Um, they continue to say that they're just for common sense gun laws, but there are studies and polls that show that more than 50% of Democrats want assault rifles banned and like 80% of them want all guns banned, you know? Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, it, or 30% of them want all guns banned, you know? And uh, I, I think that it might hurt his, his, his fan base in that sense that if another Republican comes out and he's more like, we're going to go back on these bans and no, no law should be passed uh, for the Second Amendment because it's a constitutional right. That could hurt them, again, depending on who the person is. But it might be a very small percentage of those people because if we look at the economy, we look at jobs, we look at everything he's accomplished, and especially if he gets his border wall built and funded, I think it'll be very hard to come back on just this one thing. Um, and the fact that the NRA is backing this as well, I, I don't think it helps their cause. Um, yeah. So, again, I've seen a lot of memes. I've seen a lot of pages that are like, you know, screw the NRA, screw Donald Trump for passing this. But I still see a lot of people supporting him regardless of this, mm. myself included. I don't agree with it, but I don't think that this will make me a never Trumper. I This wouldn't make me not want out to go for him, especially as a Latino myself. I've seen that he's brought record unemployment, uh, historic unemployment for Latinos since recorded history. So that to me is a, a more of a plus than restricting bump stocks, something that I personally never have used and I've never attached to my weapon. So. All right. Anything else you want to say or should we move on? Uh, we can move on if you like. All right. Sounds good. So uh, the draft Bernie 2020 campaign has begun. Okay. So uh, <laughs> the way this typically works is typically when there is a draft campaign started when there's actually you know all actually big people behind it which there is in this scenario typically it leads to uh the person they're trying to draft running for president so this increases the likelihood that bernie sanders is going to make another uh run for the white house in 2020 on the democratic party line 
What are your thoughts on Bernie on the draft Bernie twenty twenty movement beginning? Well, uh, I personally believe that had Bernie been up against Donald Trump, I I don't think Donald Trump would have won. I think there are a lot more. So the one thing I can truly say about the Democrats and and all their kind of they really know how to campaign. They know how to get out there and get those numbers. They, they, we've seen it in the marches. We've seen it in the commercials. We've seen it in the advertising. I think Hillary Clinton's campaign was upwards of, I, I, I'm not sure if this number is correct, but about $2 billion was spent total on her campaign for her to just come out short and lose. Um, I think if he runs again, again, he might have that same following, if not more, because he's been very socially active and outspoken on a lot of hot topics. I think that maybe more people um, might not vote for him, uh, like the people that, he, that once backed him, because obviously he didn't really contest the rigging of the election of the DNC back in 2016. Um, you know, uh, he's for climate change, but articles are showing that he's spending $300,000 on private air. Uh, flying in a, in a one-month period. So he's, he talks a lot of this, you know, socialism and, and you know, better for the economy and we need to raise minimum wage to $100 or whatever ludicrous he wants, the number he wants to raise it to. And I think less and less people are buying it. Uh, I myself, I, I know a couple Bernie Sanders supporters that have moved a little bit more center than far left, which socialism is part of. And um, I... I but I think he could have a big following again. I mean, uh, unfortunately for us, our country is moving forward with identity politics, and they've embraced, you know, the first female this, the first socialist this, the first Muslim this. And I think it's like a train, you know, people just want to keep seeing that. People like those articles, like, oh my gosh, you know, a woman won where a woman should would have never won, or oh my gosh, a Democratic just uh, flipped the red seat blue, you know, for the first time in history. And so we see those reactions, and we see those things trending, and I think the Democrats are, are really holding on to that. The, the, the first this, the first that. And so they're huge into identity politics, and unfortunately, um, the conservative movement, I don't think, is there as far as being able to rally up the people except Trump. You know, he's like, the, I feel like he's like one of the very few people that can really rally up people and get them out to vote and get them out to this. Um, you know, and, and as far as Bernie goes, I mean, if he keeps pushing this far left uh, agenda of socialism and free college and minimum wage, I, I think he might have a good chance of winning 2020 if he runs as Democrat. Obviously, he switched from Democrat to independent, but obviously he's going to have to ride the uh, Democratic Party because uh, they're more better funded than independents are. And um, let's face it, we live in a two, two-party system. You know, it'll be mm -hmm. a long time before we see independents or libertarians or the Green Party even, you know, take office for, right. for any serious position. So well, I, the only I think could be a threat. The only independent mm -hmm. president we've had is George Washington. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, yeah, that's something I personally didn't know. Um, but that's, I, I think that's uh, well before the established two-party system. Because it seems like, you know, even if you're libertarian or this or that, you know, like Rand Paul, you know, he's more libertarian on his policies, uh, but he ran as a Republican. 
that DeBarn, Ben Carson, he considered himself a little bit more independent, but he ran on the Republican Party because I think you just have to kind of ride the two-party system out and see what more your policies are for. You know, if you're more fiscally conservative, if you're for smaller government, if you're for, you know, anti-socialism, pro-capitalism, and pro-Second Amendment, um, you're going to ride the Republican Party, even though maybe there's other Republicans, unfortunately, that are flat-out racist, or they're, you know, they're, they have allegiance to uh, white supremacist groups or whatever, you know? And so I think it, the, the two-party system kind of uh, hurts people because now you're having to align yourself with those very same people. So, again, but the thing is, if you don't, you're not taken seriously as a candidate. You know, you can come out and create your own new party of white supremacists, but you're not going to get any traction, so you run as a Republican um, because you're not, you know, it'd be kind of weird to be white supremacist pro neo-Nazi and then run as a Democrat, you know, because mm. you're never going to get those votes, you know, but unfortunately there are people that are on the right, you know, just like the left, you know, you, you'll, you'll have your people that run as a socialist and you want, you have people that are communists and socialists that are, to me, are just as bad as, um, you know, these neo-Nazis because they're fascists. They want this First Amendment banned. They wanted, uh, you know. You think they're as bad? Uh, I, I personally believe so. Like the people that are far left are equally as bad as the far right. And what I mean by that is, for example, I've met neo-Nazis. Uh, not like, oh, hi, my name is Anthony or, you know, I, this is or that. It, I've seen them. I've encountered them. I've witnessed them. Um, and they never say anything to me. They, you know, they tell me, hey, you know, I'm a neo-Nazi. I'm not going to hang out with you, whatever. But they don't actively go out there and, and, and search for me. And, and hey, you're you're Hispanic. Get the hell out of our our community or this or so that. And they live here, you know. They live everywhere. Um, but with the far left, they do do those things. They come onto my page and they call me racist slurs and they tell me that they, you know, look at social media. You know, I've, uh, who was it? Uh, Tim Cook came out and said, you know, people that are hateful, people that have a different ideology than what we have, they're not welcome on our platforms. You know, and, and I don't see that with the far right. They just kind of keep to themselves. Sure, they go out in their march and, you know, they're like, hey, you know, KKK, blah, blah, blah. But they, they keep to themselves. They're a small, very, very small group percentage of people. Um, but then you have the far left and they're out there wearing face masks and they're beating people up and they're lighting things on fire. So to me, they're even more of a th- to me personally, you know, and this is just my biased opinion because of what I've lived through and experienced through. The far left is more of a threat to me and my family and my policies and the things that affect me than the far right ever will be. Maybe it was like that back in the 1900s where, you know, the Democrat uh, KKK plantation, you know, um, they sought out brown people and black people and lynched them and killed them and ran them out of their towns. But that's not the case anymore, you know. And so maybe then there would have been a bigger threat. But to me right now, bigger threat is socialism communism people that don't want to hear my views people that think that because i'm a christian that i'm not accepting of others or they want to demonize who i am you know and and there's been many times where people engage me in conversation they're like oh wait you're you're a conservative oh i don't want to talk to you you're you're stupid you know and you're a racist and you're a homophobe and you're a bigot so i'm just like i've never been called any of those things up until now you know, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they're exactly the same. I don't think they believe the same things. But as far as what hurts me the most right now, it's the far left. What about neo-Nazis that commit uh, hate crimes? Well, I think that 
you know, why single out neo-Nazis? You know, obviously they're bad. Dude, I, I, I would happily trade in people that want to come to this country and love this country and love other people and, and work for neo-Nazis. I get them the hell out of here with all races, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, I think what happens is people people want to pretend that neo-Nazis are like this majority group in the United States are a, a, a vital threat to our constitution and the way we live about our lives like they're not out there doing these things they're like they can believe these things all they want but i've met latinos that are racist i've met black people that are racist i've met white people that are racist so when people single out you know like neo-nazis it's like okay i, I understand why we're singling them singling them out but how are they any different from any other hateful group you know mm-hmm. uh, and, and like the thing is like i, I don't see it uh, Obviously, these uh, articles and stories come up, right? And they're like, oh, a neo-Nazi did this, a neo-Nazi did that. But how many times do I hear in my community about gang members shooting other people up? You know, I'm more scared of a gang member, a Latino gang member in my community than I am of a neo-Nazi in my community. Because I've witnessed firsthand what Latino gang members do. I've never witnessed firsthand what neo-Nazis do. They keep to themselves. They hate people. But, okay, they're not out there with rifles uh, killing people openly, and this is what black and uh, Latino gang members are doing every day. You know, so uh, it, obviously I would always condemn racism of any form, but I just don't look at the neo Nazis as uh, a huge threat. Um, not saying like nothing should be done about them. Always oust them if you find out where they live. With it, sure, go ahead, do all of those things. I'm 100 percent against it. But again, it just comes back to myself. Um, I'm sure they live in my community. They're not a bother to me. They don't communicate with me. They don't say anything to me. They don't come into my page. They don't ever, I, I've yet to witness a white supremacist come into my page and say, how dare you call yourself a conservative? Like you're not white like us or never in my entire life. Like has that ever happened? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do get a lot of leftists that come into my page and they're like, I can't believe you're, you know, you're a disgrace to your people. You're a traitor. All you're trying to do is lick uh, uh, white people's butt, and this is that. I'm just like, dude, for being the tolerant ones, you know, preaching that the KKK is to blame and neo-Nazis are the enemy, like, you're treating me worse than them, you know? And so mm-hmm. I'm just kind of baffled by that, you know? And so, you know, that's that's kind of how I see it. <clears throat> what about uh, uh, with Charlottesville? Do you – because you, you say you think it's, it's rare and it you – know, but what about with with uh, say the Charlottesville ra- uh, rally? Mm-hmm. So I think if I remember correctly, right, um, uh, Charlottesville they had a permit to go out and protest. And the thing is, I believe in the First Amendment. Everyone should be able to go out there and, and practice their First Amendment right. Um, like I said, I'm not going to agree with these people. You know, there's a lot of marches that partake. You know, uh, that I don't necessarily agree with. But it's it's their right to go ahead and do so. And as far as I know, uh, you know, the left show up showed up without a permit and they were instigating and this is not. And to me, it's like me personally, even though I'm against the KKK and the neo-Nazis, I would never purposefully put myself in harm or other people in harm uh, when the police are there to protect them, to make sure that the First Amendment rights are protected. I think they should be allowed to protest and demonstrate or whatever. Um, but. And I'm not saying that the left is entirely to blame for showing up and, and counter-protesting, but they didn't have a permit to protest. And uh, why else go there other than to instigate and, and you know, poke at the bear? 
and obviously it's it sucks what happened but if i'm not mistaken only one person died you know mm-hmm. may that person rest in peace um but i think personally had the left not showed up it would have just been another rally that nobody cared about you know they want to say unite the right or unite the white whatever it was called how many people showed up like 500 people if that you know what I mean? But thousands of Antifa members came up and they're wearing hoodies and they're throwing things and they're saying things. It's like, dude, what what, what could we expect? It didn't matter if it was a Unite the Right or white supremacist. It could have just been, I mean, how many times do you see that, you know, just pro-Second Amendment go out to march and the leftists show up and they're fighting and, they're, you know, what's the point of that? Just, mm. you don't have to agree with it, you know, and, and you have every right to be against it, but why would you show up, instigate, throw rocks, and poke the bear? You okay. know what I mean? Um, so, again, that's like the only instance that I've heard of in recent uh, times where a white supremacist knowingly kills someone of opposing views or whatever. And as far as I know, the guy just rammed into the, pro- he probably could have killed his own people, you know, but he just, this is just what he did. And I don't think that one person talks for um, the entire conservative movement, you know, and I truly don't believe those people are even really cons- like those. If you're a neo-Nazi, how can you even call yourself an American? Like Americans went to fight Nazis. So I don't know how you call yourself a real American or part of any group. If you're a neo-Nazi, you're part of the Nazi group, you know? Yeah. So anything else you want to say on this uh, topic? We kind of got off topic from Bernie. Is there anything else you want to say on the topic of Bernie or should we move on? No, I think with as far as Bernie, I think he's just, uh, uh, this is something that Democrats are taking into note. You know, uh, they need new ideas. They need new ways to, uh, to, to deal with identity politics. And I think they're taking a note from Bernie. You know, uh, he's promoting socialism and free stuff. So they're going to run with it. Uh, you look at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, the first woman to win uh, over another Democrat in her district when the Democrat was in office for a decade Joker, or so. Yeah. And, you know, they're running with that, you know. And so I think that's what Bernie is. He's just one of the main faces. He's kind of like, all right, let's get the ball rolling here. People want to see difference. They want to see something different. And I'm going to give them something different. Whether that something different is stupid or good, it's something different. So people are just going to vote for it. And I, I think that's just the way it's going to go with him. So. All right. Let's move on then. Uh, so, uh, Trump, uh, this week, uh, is, uh, arranged a new version of the NAFTA agreement called the USMCA agreement between, uh, Mexico and Canada. Uh, um, this, uh, um, this is Trump's replacement for NAFTA. Some people are complaining because apparently there were supposed to be uh, LGBT protections uh, in the agreement, but apparently uh, those were uh, those never came to fruition. Um, some people are praising it. Um, I believe the former Canadian Prime Minister at George Herbert Walker Bush's funeral, uh, actually during his eulogy, actually um, uh, praised mentioned. Trump's uh, modernization of the NAFTA agreement, which George Herbert Walker Bush originally came up with um, and kind of gave Trump the pat on the back for modernizing it. What's your what are your thoughts on the USMCA deal? Um, I'll be honest, I haven't read too much into it. Um, I'm just kind of quickly uh, browsing through here. Um, I think with 
the tariffs and the trade agreements, I think uh, they're long overdue. I think that there are a lot of countries out there that take advantage of us, China to be one of them, where they're charging us a lot more for their imports uh, than we are them. Um, but as far as the NAFTA and the LGBTQ community, I'm not sure why they're even connected. I think that um, you know every country should be able to decide for their own uh, what their policies are as far as uh, you know what the government can and cannot dictate as far as people or people's livelihood. Um, which uh, I'm not saying that like uh, you know this government should be able to tell people who can and cannot. I'm, like th this is where I kind of fall a bit more libertarian in is that you know the government shouldn't have a hand at all in who gets to do what with, with their love life you know um, you know we might not all agree with each other but uh, again that's none of my business so it's kind of weird to hear that there was no inclusion of that uh, in there that's it's very weird to say that you know why is the new NAFTA not included with these rights? It's like, well, first of all, it's a trade agreement. It's not like, hey, what kind of marriage certificate should we hand out throughout our countries? And then, and then the U.S. and Canada is like, yeah, we should allow gay people. And then Mexico is like, no, you know. So it's kind of weird to hear that. Um, but I do feel again uh, with um, Canada uh, and then Mexico that there should be there should always be a scribe to always better our relations as they are our closest um, allies to us, uh, geographically speaking. So, you know, for a, the longest time, I'm sure you've heard the conspiracy, you know, where uh, Canada and Mexico, the U.S., were going to become one country, and then you were going to come out with the Amero, uh, where it was basically like a, a one currency between all of us. The borders were going to cease to exist. Canada would be more oil production and, and stuff. We would be like the business aspect and Mexico would be the labor of the three. Um, so, uh, you know, with the, with the new, I'd have to really look at the policies. If it's helping us out more um, and, and if it's equal, then I'm all for it, you know. But if, if, um, if it was just like one or two changes, you know, you have to say like, well, was this done just to say that Trump did this and, and get the old name out of there? Um, but I know again um that uh in signing this it needs to make sure that it's fair for all parties and i don't think they would have uh, agreed to it unless it was so unfortunately i don't know too much of it i think it was just passed last friday if i'm not mistaken i know it's been talked about for a while uh, but i think it was just passed last friday so i'm not too sure on the specifics um but as far as the tariffs and, and the u.s mca <clears throat> i think it's important that it, it's fair across the board for all countries because I don't think the U.S. has been treated fairly across the globe in, in tariffs and imports. Um, and so I'm all for it, you know, if that's what it means. All right. Uh, let's move on then. Uh, so uh, Trump, speaking of deals, Trump is currently uh, arranging a trade deal with China. Uh, he's been kind of giving... Uh, mixed reactions um, about this himself. Um, uh, uh, a statement he made, uh, following a statement he made on Twitter, the uh, New York Stock Exchange uh, saw uh, big drops, especially in the Dow Jones. Um, so, um, what are your thoughts on the new Trump China deal? From what I've gathered, it seems that China charges us a lot more on tariffs and imports and exports. 
Um, I understand that they're a major supply to the to the to the world, so they feel that they can maybe take a little bit more advantage. But this kind of goes in with NATO and and any kind of really pacts that the U.S. makes with the world. Um, I don't think it's fair, and, and you can see this, you know, with the Paris Treaty Agreement. You can see this with NATO. Um, the amount that these countries are paying, uh, as far as as um, protection and, and and all these things, is a lot far less than what the U.S. is paying. And then if you look at imports and exports, the U.S. either charges a lot less to export than a lot of other countries. China being one of these. Um, there are some things that I that I've read. You know that China is going to be. Um, reducing the, the tariffs on import of their cars, uh, manufacturing, um, and even some other items. So I, at first, you know, um, uh, I was listening to a podcast where people were kind of being harsh and critical of Trump's tariff wars. You know, I, I think it's it has um, hurt the U.S. economy a little bit, obviously seeing it through the markets, investors not knowing not knowing what's going to happen with it but it seems that they're kind of coming to an agreement i think what what's happening is you know trump as a businessman he's kind of playing hardball but china's not having it they're kind of like no we get to decide because we are the largest you know country of exports uh, currently on a lot of these items including items that you need from us so i think it was a little bit of kind of like uh you know uh measuring uh, uh, sort of say, uh, okay, well, who's going to be the bigger man and who's going to win? So you did, you had Trump who didn't want to back out, and you had China who didn't want to back out. And I think now they've kind of, you know, there's there's a uh, the Guardian came out where they've kind of reached a truce. So it seems like China's backing off a little bit on this, and now America is kind of backing out a little bit of this. Unfortunately, however, uh, the economy's already suffered of it because of it, and I know that uh, the agricultural aspect of things has also been hit of it. Um, so I'm kind of looking to see kind of what the future holds for us as far as this tariff wars. Is it going to continue? Is the truce going to be reached? Is a deal going to be reached? And what is that going to look like for our agricultural aspect of it? Is it going to be able to recover? Are they going to make more? Is it going to be more exports of our own agriculture? You know, um, so I, I think uh, there's been a couple times where Trump's kind of played hardball and it's worked out in his favor. Um, but then I also think that there, like this one, for instance, the tariff war with China, I don't think he's necessarily won, and the, and America suffered a little bit because of it. Um, but I'm hoping long term that it ends up benefiting us. All right. Why don't we move on then? Um, so um, the next topic uh, we're going to talk about is. Um, Mueller. So Robert Mueller is now asking for that Michael Flynn get no jail time because of information he allegedly uh, gave him on uh, Trump. Um, what What are your thoughts on this? Personally, um, you know, I, I think this whole Russia collusion thing has gone far too long. I think that if they had something on Trump, they would have exposed it a long time ago. I'm not sure why they're waiting. Obviously, when it comes to a president, you want to make sure that you have all your ducks lined up before making any kind of real accusations. But, um, you know, when you remember when Comey was back in the FBI, you know, it, it basically said that there is no strong evidence that shows that Trump had anything to do with it. Obviously, you have some of the people in his inner circle 
you know, uh, like with Mo, uh, with uh, Michael Flynn, that they did, chose not to disclose some things, and that's why they're all, you know. Uh, and I feel with like a lot of this investigation, it's it's not necessarily that there was collusion. It's just when they were being investigated the first time, they chose to hide some things or twist words, and now they're getting in trouble for lying under oath. So it's not necessarily that they're like, "Yep, you guys colluded. We know that for a fact." It's, no, when we asked you the first time, that's not what you said, and now you're twisting it. So now we're going to charge you on uh, the falsity uh, for giving false um, information or for making false statements. So uh, I don't know what the future is going to hold for Trump. I don't necessarily think that uh, the the deal you know that they made with Michael Flynn or that Michael Flynn made with the investigative uh, agency. I don't think that it's like uh, oh you know we we got him. We finally have enough evidence to get this guy. I think it's more. Um, uh, it's just going to be more of the same thing. They're going to continue to get guys, and, and that's why they want to interview Trump to see if they can do the same thing to him. It's okay. This is not what you said the first time, and now we can get you on lying, giving false uh, statements. So it's not like they're going to get him on. Okay, we have you red-handed, shaking hands with Putin, and you guys agreed that you were going to hack the elections or whatever. I think it's going to be more of. This is not what you said the first time. This is not what you said a while back. This is not what you said under oath. Um, but now we can get you on making fraud, fraud statements because of new evidence that's shown. So we have to wait to see what the report really brings at the end. Uh, me personally, I mean, if, if it was true, you know, that uh, Trump did collude with the Russians, um, obviously it's it's super horrible, and I, I I hope that he gets tried to the fullest. You know, I'm not a I'm not a supporter of, of Republicans to the point where I'm like they should all get away scot free. I'm more for politicians and presidents being held accountable, like us the common people are every single day in the streets. Um, so I think we just have to wait and see all the, all the evidence that this is going to bring. But I feel like it's already gone on too long. And I feel like if they really had something, um, they would let the, the people know uh, that, hey, this is the direction that we're headed on. But I think they're just kind of uh, dragging their feet, you know, and just drawing it out to be longer than it should be. Okay. Anything else you want to say on this issue? No. I just think that, um, I think that as a society, that's something that we should be striving. I don't care what your political alliances are i think that you should always be okay with trying politicians or presidents to the fullest extent of the law i don't think there should be pardons for these people i don't think that they should be getting away with these things regardless of party regardless of how good this person has been as a president whatever if that person is guilty of something we need to make sure that that person because no one's out above the law nobody you know and and the presidential office does have a reputation to maintain. Obviously, you want to see presidents that don't fill jail time, but I think it's a good start, and it can be made an example of if the if the trial concludes that there was collusion. All right. Um, so why don't we move on? Going back to the twenty twenty election. So we know, or we, it's pretty. Uh, um, most people are guessing right now that um, uh, 2020 is probably going to be a big wide field on the Democratic side. Even uh, the chair of the Democratic National Committee, Thomas Perez, has admitted he believes that is the that will be the case. Um, but uh, we now know two uh, potential uh, candidates. 
who will not be running for president in 2020. Um, these two potential candidates are um, uh, uh, Michael Avenatti, the Stormy Daniels lawyer, um, and, who had been expressing interests uh, interest for months, and former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick, who, according to reports, was being courted to run by former President Barack Obama. Um, so in a statement uh, Michael Ave- on, posted on Twitter, Michael Avenatti had the following to say, quote, I do not make this decision lightly. I make it out of respect for my family, but for their concerns... I will. I would run. Um, uh, as for Deval Patrick, uh, Ka- uh, Patrick said, um, uh, has said uh, on a statement published Thursday morning. He said, "I have been overwhelmed by the advice and encouragement from people from all over the country, known and unknown, humbled. In fact, he later goes on to say, but knowing the." F- that the cruelty of our election process would ultimately splash back on the people whom Diane, his wife, and I love. Hold on, let me get back to it. My phone just shut off for a second. Um, Who Diane and I love, but but who didn't, uh, or, or sorry, but who hadn't signed up for the journey was more than I could ask. So what are your thoughts on former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick and Michael Avenatti withdrawing their names from the potential uh, list of candidates uh, running for president in 2020? I think that 2020 is going to be very interesting to begin with because, like I said, you have Donald Trump who's achieved a lot of his promises um, and and things that he was going to try to accomplish. And I think he's done a really good job um, uh, so far. And I think there could be better things in the long run, especially if he learns how to start talking to people and and reach out further than his fan base. But I think the problem uh, with the 2020 is you have all these potential candidates, right? You have these people that say, oh, I wouldn't rule it out. Or, yeah, I think I can win, especially against this racist, yada, yada, yada. Um, uh, you have people like these Michael Avenettis. I'm not, I'm not too familiar with the Democratic uh, senator or governor out of uh, Massachusetts. Um, but with Michael Avenetti, uh, you know, this guy rose to fame because of Stormy Daniels and I think what the problem is, you have a lot of these Democrats that are rising to fame on their 15 minutes, and then they're like, hey, I can write this out longer and, and run for president. You know, and so that's kind of how the Michael, this guy, you know, quit before even trying to run. You know, I, I don't think he was, I don't think he was really serious at one point about running for president. I think he said it and he saw the traction that was going on online mm-hmm. and his Twitter followers and then, you know, all these morons out there that support this guy and think that he's a, a potential good candidate to run against Trump um, and, and so these people rise and they get all this traction they get all this fame and, and people are not talking to them and you got the news showing up and they're like oh my god like you know you're all over the news what are you, you going to do next and they're like I'm going to run for president you know and it's like yeah it's like you talking about you know yeah it's like uh, with, with, with like at the end of the football games when they say what are you going to do next I'm going to go to Disney World yeah, exactly. It's just like that feel-good moment. You feel like, you know, uh, uh, I just won. 
you know, I'm winning this. The, all the cameras are pointing at me. What can I say that'll continue this on for the next couple of months or years? You know, and it's obviously one of them, especially in politics. And, and the thing is, I don't think that everyone would come out and say, oh, you know, I'm pretty famous now, so therefore I'm in a rough president. I think it has to do with the circle of politics and, and who these people are around. So, you know, you have Stormy Daniels and, oh, oh yeah, you know, let's, I think her and Mike Robinetti sat down and they're like, how can we ride this out so that we're all people talk about for the next couple of months or years? And uh, I was surprised that he didn't just come out and say, I'm running for president. And Stormy Daniels is going to be my vice president. I'm surprised he didn't go that far because that's just how that's just how stupid this guy is, you know. But th this guy wants the spotlight. He got a taste of it, and now he's just saying stupid, outlandish things. He never he never would have gotten the Democratic uh, endorsement to, to be that. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. have way too many powerhouses right. inside of the Democratic Party, like the Clintons. You got you know heck even if Michelle Obama were to run she'd have a better way better chance if if Oprah were to try to run she'd have a way better chance than this this idiot that got his fifteen minutes in fame you know and and now he's trying to backtrack and be like you know it's my family's fault you know like if it was if only it wasn't for them I know that I'd run and I know that I'd win because that's exactly what he said he said it to reporters that asked him do you really think that you have a chance against Trump. You know, and these were conservative uh, journalists, and they're like, "If I ran against your stupid little president, I I know I would win. I would make him my little, you know, side side toy or whatever." And I'm just like, "Dude, you, how big do you think your ego is, man? Like that that's only gonna get you so far, but mm -hmm. you don't have what it takes to run. You don't have any ground to stand on. You know, you represent a, a porn actress that mm -hmm. had an affair with the president <laughs> twelve years ago. You know, it you didn't freaking cure cancer, man." You know what I mean? Like, you're not a, a, a legitimate person, you know? You're just another lawyer, you know? And uh, I think it's funny that he ever thought he had a chance. Um, so, you know, and, and but you can kind of see that from both sides. You know, you have, uh, I haven't really seen it on the Republican side, but I see a lot more Democrats that, you know, they take the uh, fame. Like, uh, who else was it? Um, somebody was running for, what's that, ex-army? person that got indicted and then obama pardoned him peyton no not peyton manning wow I'm oh so uh chelsea manning um, chelsea manning there we go so she got her 15 minutes of fame right so she went to he went to jail and um you know he was pardoned by obama and people were like oh my gosh you know that's that's crazy people started talking about him and then boom comes out that hey i'm gonna be a transsexual now and i'm gonna phase over to being a, a woman and so of course now getting more traction more people are talking about that and what ended up happening was he ended up running for local senate at wherever he's from for, for states from for u.s senate and uh yeah yeah he ran again or yeah she sorry she ran against um ben cardin in maryland ben cardin is the incumbent um is the incumbent u.s senator in maryland he's a democrat um and she uh challenged him in a primary um uh, she ended up losing uh, to uh, to him by pretty much like a complete blowout in the prize. I think she only got right. like seven percent exactly. of the vote, and maybe it, <laughs> if that, if yeah. that, literally, exactly. it was that that low. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So you have people like that where they get their fifteen minutes right, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, 
I, I can be the president of the, of the world now. You know, and, and it's so stupid because there's a huge difference between how many likes and followers you have on social media and people that would actually come out and support and, and vote for you. And shortly after she lost, it comes to find out that Chelsea Manning ended up trying to commit suicide. And, of course, this is something that, unfortunately, you know, uh, the LGBT community suffers from a lot. I think, like, something of 40% of transsexuals try to uh, take their life at one point or another in their life, you know, and it's it's definitely sad, and, and it's, there's a lot of stigma behind it, you know, and I, I think there's a lot of help that can be done, you know, and, and I think that's really where Chelsea Manning should have um, focused his attention on is um, uh, focusing on the LGBT community and, and what can I do to kind of better help and, and get uh, people out there to understand this better and necessarily running for Congress is not one of them. You know, it, it, that's not the only way that you can make your voice heard. There's a lot of people who are not in politics that are making a difference every single day. You have activists, you know, yeah, you have mom and pops places, you have nonprofits, you have so many different ways that you can go about it to raise awareness. And this is not. And I mean, now with social media, you can reach anyone anywhere, you know, that has access to it. And, and so that's kind of just going back to the whole Michael Benatti. I think that's what it is. You know, you get a presidential endorsement or, or you know, um, you get your 15 minutes of fame and people are like, oh, my gosh, we love you because you say bad things about stupid orange man Trump. And then they're like, oh, my God, I, I have a chance to be king of the world. You know, like I, mm. I should just and the thing is, they don't take the appropriate steps. They just jump from A to Z. You know, and it's like, wait a minute, instead of just running locally, why don't I try to do something else that will kind of get me more recognized? Let me go door to door to see how people feel about me and maybe even do some polls, you know, some early polls to see if I even have a chance at it. Don't just go, you know, head in first, not knowing what you're getting yourself into. And then I don't know if that's what led to Chelsea Manning trying to commit suicide or not. Maybe that he thought, like, I don't understand, you know, like I get. I get 10,000 likes on every one of my posts. I don't understand why I didn't win. You know, that, that should have at least been 10,000 votes, you know, but they don't realize that these people come from all over the world to come and support the social media. It doesn't translate to people in your local community wanting you in office, you know, and I don't even know what kind of policies this, uh, Chelsea Manning was trying to promote. She's a progressive. She's like a Bernie Sandersite. Mm, yeah. Well, maybe her county just doesn't want that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, uh, now, Michael Avenatti, you heard in that statement, he said he it was because of he was consulting with his family. Do you think that the allegations that came out against him uh, might might have hurt his chances? Because, as you know, there were uh, allegations of alleged domestic abuse from his ex-wives. Um, so there were rumors that that uh, might have led to that. Um, and, and then, um, uh, uh, what else was I going to say? Um, so yeah, there was that. And then also there was a CNN poll, which showed a bunch of democratic candidates that were pretend rumored to run in 2020 and Beto O'Rourke and Joe Biden both topped the list. Michael Avenatti got 0%, um, literally 0% in the poll. Uh, conducted by CNN. Um, do you think those factors might have led to him uh, eventually deciding, I'm not going to run? Because you got to remember, Michael Avenatti was talking about it like he was running. He was talking about it like he was in. Like, this was it. There was no doubt about it. I mean, we were all 
just waiting for him to officially sign his papers to run for president. Um, and I think, um, do you think that he would have declared had this stuff not come out? I definitely do think that it played a role in it. I think the fact, um, you know, that, uh, well, here's the thing. It, it's kind of like a double standard, right? You have Republicans that, you know, hey, it turns out that this person is gay or, hey, it turns out that this person is anti-gay, but they're, you know, they're, they have gay lovers or, you know, this guy's married and he's doing all these things on the side and he's got a mistress um, or this guy beat his wife. So therefore, the Republicans shouldn't win. But when it comes to Democrats, uh, I think it was in Michigan, there was a Democratic uh, guy that won despite evidence being that he ended up beating his ex-wife. I can't remember the name. I think you're um, thinking of Minnesota with Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison yeah, is Minnesota. the... Yeah, Yeah, he's a con... Or he was a con... Or, well, he's a congressman until January. He, uh-huh. um, he was... I think he was the first ever Muslim member of Congress. He I is... I think that was a lady, uh, Ilhan. I forget her name. I think... Oh, no, she was the first Muslim woman. Yeah, she was the first Muslim woman, and she I think she won his seat. She won his seat. Before that, Keith Ellison was the first Muslim uh, member of Congress in history, um, and he uh, ran, he retired from, he was a congressman, he was also the vice chair of the Democratic National Committee, um, but he retired, or, or I, 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 he retired from Congress this year because he wanted to run for attorney general of Minnesota instead. Um, Lori Swanson, the current uh, Democratic attorney general, uh, unsuccessfully ran in a primary for governor. Um, so he ran to replace her, um, and he narrowly defeated uh, the Republican challenger in that uh, election. Yeah, so, you know, you have cases like him where people are not talking about that as much as, you know, Republicans. And in almost every case that a Republican, you know, it was brought to light that, hey, this guy used to like little girls, or this guy this, or this guy that. Or Dennis Hassard. White supremacy. It, it, it's always like that person doesn't win. But with Democrats, that's not the sole factor of why they lose. It's not always like, oh, he beat his wife? There's no way we're voting for him. People are like, oh, he beat his wife? Uh, well, at least he's not as bad as those racist Republicans, you know? So it, it's almost like there's a double standard there. You know what I mean? Republicans mm-hmm. are a lot more hesitant to be like, oh, man, this guy has a lot of dirt on him. But then you always have, like, those loyal Republicans are like, nope, I'm always going to vote Republican no matter what. And I think that's what really hurts people, it, it, you know, and then that's why we all get bunched in because it's like, oh, but well, what about your guy? He did this. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I didn't vote for him. But then the Democrat wins, and then it's like, well, wait a minute. This guy had similar allegations. Like, for example, um, Gavin Newsom, just one governor of California, right? This mm-hmm. guy cheated on his wife with uh, his best friend's wife. You know? Yeah. And not a lot of people know that. And the people that do know that, they don't care. Because guess what? He won. But I guarantee you that people that were against Trump and like, oh, I can't believe he had an affair with Stormy Daniels. I can't believe he cheated on his wife. I can't believe he goes out there and grabs a woman by the P word. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, Gavin Newsom? Oh, he cheated on his wife with his best friend's wife? Uh, at least it's better than those racist Republicans, you know? So it's like, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know what I mean? Like, why, why is there this double 
this double standard, you know, but a lot of people say, you know, if, if it wasn't for Democrats having a double standard, they wouldn't have any standards at all. So I think going back to your question with Michael Avenatti, it, it could have been a, a definitely a factor, but I think realistically, it was the fact that he knew he wasn't going to get any Democratic support. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, oh, people are not going to vote for me, despite there being a poll saying that 0% of people are going to vote for me or, or this. I think it's him understanding that, you know, with Democrats, especially them rigging the 2016 election in favor of, of Hillary Clinton, they're going to go with the powerhouses, not just some random weirdo that came to fame, you know, for, for oh, you represented a girl that had an affair with a guy that's known to have affairs? Like, okay, what else do you have to offer? Mm. You know, like, they're, they're, he does have a following of people that like him just because, you know, he hates Trump. You know, you see this with late night show hosts like, oh, Trevor Noah? Oh, yeah, he hates Trump, so I'm going to start watching him now. And, mm-hmm. and whether people like to admit it or not, a lot of these shows are still on today. A lot of these fake news and, 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 and news sites, they're only getting that traffic of viewers and clicks and shares because of Donald Trump. Wait till Trump's not president, whether it be in two years in 2020 or in six years in 2024. Watch how the views go down and how the shares and the clicks go down because Donald Trump's no longer president. Whether you like to admit it or not, the guy has been awesome for business social media wise late night show wise hollywood wise everywhere you go man everyone's talking about trump and i think that was essentially his goal he's like Mm. i want the entire country talking about me and that's exactly what he's done you can't go anywhere without hearing about him people know who the president is like you know before people like oh who's the president i'm like oh i'm not sure like i think it's this guy or that guy or who won you know i don't i'm not sure everyone knows who donald trump is you know, and, and he's he's great for business, man. You know. Now, um, uh, what about with Deval Patrick? So Deval, De, um, and for those who don't know, Deval Patrick, he was uh, governor of the state of Massachusetts from 2007 to do that. To do that, he from he was governor of Massachusetts from 2007 to 2015. He was the first black governor of the state. He was known to be good friends with Barack Obama. Um, they're saying right now that, um, many people believed he would get in. Why do you think he's not getting in? Again, I think with Deval Patrick, it has to do everything with, um, identity politics and the powerhouses right now. Although he is a black African American, he's not going to have, um, he's not going to have the same following Barack Obama did because we've already had the first black president. So I think people are now shifting in the, okay, well, we already had a white male, we already had a black male, and people seem to forget that there's a plethora of races and cultures in between black and white, right, male? But I think they're leaning more into, okay, but if Hillary runs, I kind of want to vote for the first female president, you know? And and to this Mm -hmm. day, she hasn't said, I'm not going to run. And she's always giving hints here and there and I think that's why she's touring the country right now. You know, uh, the, the the article that uh, or the topic that a lot of the conservatives are making fun of that she can't even fill a stadium half of its half. So she can't even fill a stadium a quarter of the way through, you know. Um, and I think it's because she's testing the waters again. She wants to see how much following she has at all of these different places. Like, who's coming out to see me? Do I really have the support? And I think the Democrats are paying attention to that. I think the Democrats are like, Okay, if she can't even fill this stadium, why would we have her run for president again? So, me personally, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think Michelle Obama might be the ticket for them because she's black and because she's a woman. 
So, you know, you look at Deval Patrick, and I think he, you know, you need to understand, you know, there was a, a, a study shown that uh, over the last 20 or 30 years, um, Democrats, depending on where they're at in the country, they cater to their audience. So whenever they're talking to, you know, uh, I, I wish I could remember exactly what the article said, but it essentially said when Democrats are talking to a majority white audience, they talk normally. But whenever they go to a Latino or a black audience, they kind of dumb down the way they say things because they cater to their audience. And they found that in the same study, uh, they reversed it and they would go look to Republicans. They talk to everybody the same. They don't dumb it down. They don't try to be more identity politics. They don't try to say things like, for too long, you know, uh, the, the, the Democrats have overpowered blacks and latinos and this is and that you know and, and and we're the we're the party of change and we'll make sure that the blacks are taken care of they don't they're just like no nah, man we're just here to create across the board you know what i mean we're, yeah. we're going to create jobs for everyone it's not going to be a specific target group if you want to work you're going to work um yeah and that's something that kind of won me over with trump because uh during his campaign you know there was this feminist that came out and asked a question and like you know with, with there being a wage gap for women what are you going to do as a president to make sure that I, as a woman, get paid the same? And people were like, yeah, you know, like progressivism. Yeah, woo, like the future is women. And he came out and straight up said, look, if you work the same as a man, you're going to get paid the same as a man. Next question. You know, like yeah. he could have he could have ran with that. He could have bought the woman uh, off by saying, like, ah, you know, as your president, I promise to pass laws that are going to bring the wage gap, which is a myth, by the way. Uh, uh, to cease to exist, and this is not, and that's something that Hillary ran with, that Barack Obama ran with, that all these Democrats are going with, and I just don't think that Deval Patrick has that in him. You know, he's like, yeah. well, this has already been done. Obama already did everything that I would run on, so he already run on that platform. So I think that maybe that's why he was just like, I don't think I have what it takes to fill in Barack Obama's shoes, so yeah. I, I don't want to try. So I think that's what it's going to come out to be, where Democrats are just going to put a new face every four years. Yeah. You know, right now, it's it's either a woman, uh, Hillary Clinton, or it's going to be a socialist. You know, he, Bernie Sanders might be white, but, you know, he's always been for the people. You know, he, he's got pictures of himself being arrested in the 60s because he was so progressive and so you know all this stuff you know so that's what i think that's what the democrats are running on they just want a new face a new platform every four years and with republicans it's the complete opposite they run on the same things hey we're going to make sure your guns are are okay we're going to make sure that the jobs are high we're going to make sure that taxes are low and people unfortunately that you know newer generation you know uh millennials and generation z i think that's the generation right after us millennials um they're the, they're the uh, generation of social media. You can watch a funny video, and then you'll forget all about it the very next video. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, oh, that, that's old news, man. Like, we don't want to see that again. Mm. You know, and I think that's what Deval Patrick would have been. They would have been like, oh, another blackmail? Like, we already saw that, man. What, what else is new? You know, and so I think that's what the Democrats are going to be running with. They're like, we need to come up with something new every four years, a whole new face, whether it be a woman or a socialist or a communist or a Muslim or this or that. But we need to keep working on that, you know, and that's what I'm uh, extremely against. I, I'm uh, not the person that's most qualified. Yeah. Well, and I should point out in terms of the story of the the one woman who asked the question to Trump about the wage gap, that woman turned out to be a plant or that 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 oh, of course 
Um, it was actually a plant from the Jeb Bush campaign. Um, uh, uh, so I just wanted to point that out there. Um, but um, uh, anything else you want to say on this issue, or should we move on? Well, regardless if that woman was a plant or not, I think he handled it the way it should be handled. It doesn't matter if it was planned or not. You know, and the, the, the question still holds. You know, it's like, okay, yes, as the presidential candidate, people want to know what are you going to do for women? And I think he answered it correctly. He's like, dude, look, if you're going to be working the same hours and you're going to be in the same position and you have the same credentials and education, that's just the way it's going to be. Now, I don't know if they planted it to try to maybe get him to say the wrong thing or to be in favor of Trump. But uh, again, that's one of the things that kind of won me over is that he didn't cave to identity politics. Well, he was, yeah, that's pretty much it. I think if he was, well, I think because she was planted by the Jeb Bush campaign, she worked on the Jeb Bush because what happened was they figured it out because they found pictures on her social media of her attending Jeb Bush rallies. And so they were able to put the pieces together and figure out that that she had been uh, planted there. But apparently, according to Jeb Bush himself, um, he didn't actually uh, he didn't plan that. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to plant her into a Donald Trump rally. She just decided on her own to do that. That was what Jeb Bush was claiming. Um, But why don't we move on to the last story uh, of the episode? Uh, so in 2019, there are three governor's races, um, all of which are expected to be, all of which could potentially become competitive. You think they, they'd be easy in the bag for Republicans because Donald Trump won these three states overwhelmingly. These states are Kentucky, Mississippi, and Louisiana. Um, in, uh, in Kentucky, Matt Bevin is the Republican incumbent. He's going to be running for a second term. Um, now what's interesting about that is, uh, Kentucky, you'd think that, you know, this should be easy for him. It's Kentucky, right? It's, you know, it's Republican. Um, but as it turns out, Kentucky hasn't had a lot of Republicans. Um, as it turns out, Matt Bevin is, uh, only the second Republican governor of Kentucky in history to ever file his papers to run for re, uh, re-election as governor. Um, the, the only other person that, uh, ran for real the only Republican governor who ran for re-election was Ernie Fletcher um, and he uh, did not uh, win re-election which means that no uh, 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 governor in Kentucky Republican governor in Kentucky history has ever won a second term and Matt Bevin's approval ratings right now aren't great um, and I I talked to um, uh, somebody who's running against Mitch, a Democrat who's running against Mitch McConnell on our show a couple weeks ago. He, um, you know, R- uh, Rocky Adkins, the minority leader of uh, of uh, the uh, state, yeah, the minority leader of the uh, of the state, or no, the minority leader of the Kentucky House of Representatives. He's announced his candidacy. Andy Bashir, the Democratic Attorney General, and the son of former Governor Steve Bashir has already declared his candidacy, and they're saying there are more people waiting in the wing, uh, waiting in the wings to run. Allison Lundergan Grimes might run. She's the Secretary of State. She ran against Mitch McConnell in 2014. Uh, Amy McGrath, who narrowly won a, uh, a House race this year, uh, apparently her people are telling her to run. Um, the former state auditors thing about, so that should be interesting. 
in Mississippi, um, uh, Jim Hood, a lot of people were saying when Democrats ran, um, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Mike Espy in the special election in the Senate, he was the second best candidate they could have gotten um, because the first best was probably Jim Hood because Jim Hood is the popular attorney general there. He's immensely popular in the state of Mississippi. Um, he's won by landslides every time he's won for real election, even though he's a Democrat in an overwhelmingly blue state. He has announced that he is running, uh, he is going to seek uh, uh, the office of governor in 2019. Um, so the fact that he's in that race could make it competitive. Um, and right now people are expecting that the lieutenant governor of, of Mississippi, uh, Tate Reeves, will probably make a run, but he hasn't officially declared yet. But what I want to focus on is Louisiana, because right now Louisiana has a Democratic governor. Um, he actually won by a pretty big margin in twenty. Uh, 15. The reason why was because the uh, the uh, Republican he was running against, U.S. Senator David Vitter, got in trouble for a prostitution scandal. Um, and uh, also, uh, John Bell Edwards was a moderate, and he was known, he was extremely well-known statewide, and he ran a moderate pro-life campaign, and that was able to propel him to victory by double digits. Um, but it is Louisiana, so um, Republicans do still have hopes that they can win this, uh, this governor's race over. Uh, right now, no um, major candidates have, uh, have declared, but right now, Jeff, Jeff Landry, the Attorney General of, of Louisiana, who's bashed uh, Bell Edwards on multiple occasions, is rumored to run. Uh, there are a few congressmen that are thinking about running, but but if you look at the polls right now, most of them are losing to Bell Edwards, except for one man, and that one man happens to be the current U.S. Senator who replaced David Vitter, uh, John Neely Kennedy. Um, you you might have seen you might know John Neely Kennedy from the uh, the interrogation of Mark Zuckerberg. When he was uh, when he he was the Louisiana guy, he's like, "Let me tell you this: your 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 user agreement sucks." That guy, yeah, yeah, I remember. yeah that that guy, he was rumored to run uh, for U.S. Senate because they think you know his predecessor in the U.S. Senate uh, ran for governor. Maybe he'll run for governor, um, and he was the only person who was actually defeating, who was actually leading Bell Edwards in the polls. Uh, the, um, in fact, um, uh, John Bell Edwards, uh, in fact, he was not only leading him, but he was leading him by a solid margin, like by 20 points, uh, or so. Um, but now this week, uh, John Neely Kennedy, who many, uh, Republicans were hoped to God would run, um, has announced he will not seek the office of governor. He will remain in the United States Senate. Um, so what are your thoughts on John Neely Kennedy uh, choosing not to run uh, for uh, governor? Uh, do you think Republicans have any chance of picking up the seat? It should be noted John Bell Edwards does have 
um, the highest approval rating of any current Democratic governor in the country um, currently. Um, uh, you know, it, it is it is a overwhelmingly red state. But if 2018 taught us every you got to look at in 2018 in Vermont and Massachusetts um, and in uh, Maryland, uh, there were Republican incumbents up in all in overwhelmingly blue states that Hillary Clinton won by landslides. But those Republicans running, uh, the, the Republican incumbents running happened to be amongst the most popular Republican incumbents in the country. And that led to uh, that led to all three of them getting reelected by landslides, despite the fact that they were in like some of the most blue states in the entire country. Um, so maybe the same thing could happen in Louisiana where, you know, popularity trumps poll numbers. What are your thoughts? Do you think the Republicans have any chance? Um, and why are all the other Republicans outside of John Neely Kennedy polling so badly? And why do you think John Neely Kennedy chose not to run? Well, I think, you know, uh, one thing that people seem to forget that, uh, you know, this whole new wave of, of leftist mentality, right, is not to be confused with necessarily liberals. So you look at the last real liberal president, John F. Kennedy, he pulled high amongst Republicans as well because, um, you know, he – here's the thing. You can be from either party, but it's all about your policies. So, it, it, you know, if you were a Democrat and you ran – know for senate or whatever and you promise to keep taxes low and you promise to work for this and you promise to work for that it's not really until you get to the identity politics of things that that's where you kind of start to lose people so you know if this is this is uh what was his name the john john neely, neely kennedy john neely another kennedy. john kennedy if in, yeah uh if you ran in 2015 and he was more moderate Here's the thing. If you're a moderate Democrat, you have a good chance of favoring with Republicans because, uh, again, like I stated earlier, a lot of Republicans, they look at people and they're like, okay, here's a Republican that is caught up in this prostitution ring. Why would I want to elect them just for the sake of having a Republican? So that's why they went with the moderate Democrat because you're like, well, I guess this is better than the Republican and this is better than the far left Democrats that are possibly running. So again, if, you, if you're a Democrat and you run moderately, you have a really good chance of getting a lot of independent and even conservative votes on your side because I personally feel, you know, if you're on the conservative side, you're looking more at policy than you are skin color or or you're looking at oh is it what name does this person have oh democrat nope i'm not gonna vote for that person i think people on the right tend to uh, vote more especially myself i vote more policy than i do party for example so i might be a registered republican but if i'm looking at the four republicans five republicans that are running and none of them are going to pass policies that benefit me or that i feel going to benefit us as a society i'm not voting for those guys now i'll vote for them for the sake of being a Republican, uh, if they're better than the far left Democrats. But for example, in my town, in my district, uh, the Democrat ended up winning when the seat was red for quite some time in the district. But again, because the Republican, he was just kind of doing more of the same. He was actually higher, uh, you know, using the taxes for roads and, 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 and you know, oh, we, we need a bridge here, we need a bridge there, instead of being more conservative, fiscally conservative. And so in comes this Democratic uh, uh, moderate, just kind of like the guy, John Kennedy, that you're talking about in 
2015. Or John, uh, or no, oh, the, no, John Neely Kennedy is the Republican John senator. Uh, John Bell Edwards is the moderate Democratic governor. Okay, John Bell Edwards, excuse me. So in comes this guy that's more moderate. People are probably going to favor that guy more. So uh, I think it doesn't matter what party you're from. Um, anyone has a chance. You know, I mean, look at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. No one ever thought that a socialist, you know, from New York would ever win, but there she is. You know, but again, this comes into the thing where Democrats know how to campaign. And so obviously he did something right in 2015. Uh, maybe the polls would have been different. I think the outcome would have been different had that Republican not been caught uh, in that prostitution ring. But again, that has a lot to do with how people side. It's, okay, yes, he's a Republican, but I'm not going to vote for him because this guy's caught up in this scandal. You know? And, um, I mean, it, it can go either way with Kentucky or any red state. Uh, you know, it, it, look at Texas, for example. You know, we thought that that state was going to be red till the day we die, you know? And look how close that election was. But I think that's because Beto was a little bit more moderate. Now, another thing to take into consideration is look at the look at the Demo- like the very blue states, right? You're looking at California, you're looking at New York. These states are driving out the middle class because of taxes and corporation regulations. And where are these people moving to? They're moving to cheaper states. You're looking at Texas, you're looking at Kentucky, you're looking at Louisiana, all the states that you just listed. A lot of people are opting to go there because of conservative regulation. Um, you know, you might have Democrats here in this district or in that district, but for the most part, the policies are being controlled by Republicans and conservatives, fiscally, fiscally conservatives. And so the reason why, you know, you look at Texas and the reason why they almost won is because you have all these California people that were driven out by high taxes and now they're going to Texas and they're voting blue. So it's not necessarily, you know, oh, my gosh, like Republicans are losing a, a foothold on, on these deep states that used to always vote this way it's just liberals i mean leftists just don't learn you move from california and then you go to a different state where you get a candidate that's going to pass the same laws that are going to tax you just as high to make your socialist utopia uh uh, a reality and then they're going to be driven out by eventually it's just going to be every state is just going to be regulated that way where it's just Mm -hmm. high taxes across the board you know so Going into 2019, uh, I don't think that Republicans should really look at it as like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, we used to be red states. This is a, it's learn how to campaign better. Go back to your grassroots of fiscally conservative and conservative across the board and don't pander to people. You know, uh, it, unfortunately, the, the problem is that, again, you have these Democrats that are moving to these or these blue people that are moving to these red states and they're voting blue just for the sake of voting blue. So that's another problem that, you know, Republican candidates have to address. It's like, okay, I have to change my tactics a little bit because now we have all these identity politic people. What can I say to them? You know, I'm not going to be like Hillary Clinton and hire Jay-Z and Beyonce to pander to them. But what can I say to them? What can I say to these new young voters? Because let's face it, a lot of these Republican people that are running, they're older white Christians. And so a lot of people, you know, it's a very diverse country. And now you have, you know, these rural areas of the country where they used to be predominantly white Christian families. Now they're more intermixed. They're interracially mixed. They're interculturally mixed, interracially uh, mixed. And so it's not that you have to pander to them, but it's like, okay, what can I do myself 
to go ahead and reach these people because these people come from different countries they come from places that are, you know like california where they have high taxes and they think that it's it's the greatest thing ever because you know they get all these free things and, and welfare and all this stuff and so they go to these states and they're like why isn't this being why isn't this being given to me here and so republicans have to be you know smart about it and whether they employ younger republicans that can connect more with the younger generation or if they run to or if they choose to run as older white uh conservative uh christian conservatives they have to know how to address these people and reach that that base that only democrats are being able to tap into you know mm. and so i think that's really where it falls um and again you know the problem is democrats are more identity politics based so when they spread out through the nation they're looking at people that look like them to represent them in office and that had their ideology with conservatives they're looking more for the moderate person they're looking for more okay is this person qualified in order to run office and unfortunately it's just leftists are overwhelming you know, it seems like to be spreading like a disease, this leftism mentality of identity politics and progressivism, and then people that intellectually think, not saying that only the right are intellectuals, you sure have your Democrat moderates, like I said, that obviously win positions where it used to be red, and, and, and um, unfortunately it's just people are thinking less, okay, is this person qualified, and thinking more, does this person look like me, do they represent me, and are they going to give me free stuff? You know, mm-hmm. and so... That's, we need to learn how to combat combat that. And I think that's what was one of the bigger problems with the midterms was they didn't know how to um, look at these districts and tap into that base and say, okay, I can't just say what I, we've been saying for years. We have to start talking to them directly, holding more town halls and reaching out to these young people and seeing what they want from us and listen to what they have to say. All right. Anything else you want to say on this? No, not at all. Just wanted to thank you for uh, reaching out and all right. uh, having me on your podcast. Before you go, why don't you tell people a little bit about uh, your Instagram page and where they can find you all over social media? All right. So uh, I started this page on Instagram. Uh, I don't have Facebook. I am on Twitter and uh, Instagram. I'm at conservative.latino. Um, and on Twitter, it's a little bit spelled a little bit differently. But if you find me on Instagram, at conservative.latino, um, my Twitter is linked there. Um, so yeah, I started this page about a year ago. I have roughly about 5,000 followers or so 4,400. Um, and my main focus is really to just kind of reach out to the Hispanic community and kind of reintroduce ourselves and how important, you know, it is to get involved in politics and, and kind of vote out there. Um, I also work closely with two other conservative pages, uh, red pilled America. They also have their own broadcast on a podcast and then i also work with conservative.latina45 um she she uh has me on her wordpress so we do have weekly articles that we try to publish um and our main goal is just kind of tap into you know the the uh, um i believe studies show that by 2050 uh hispanics and latinos are going to be the overwhelming minority in the united states so i kind of feel like it's our duty to kind of show the other side of politics because i don't think it's being tapped into and like i said we are the younger generation we need to get our word out that um we have our own voices and that it's surprising to me that a lot of these you know democratic and leftist leaning latinos are voting in socialists 
which is kind of the reason why a lot of our ancestors came to America. You know, you got Cubans that escaped socialism and communism, and now they're voting in socialist tendencies. So it's kind of funny to see, you know, first-generation American Latinos that are voting for socialism when their parents escaped, escaped the very same thing. So, you know, just kind of bringing light to that. Um, that's kind of basically how you guys can reach me or anyone listening. If you guys want to come to our page, uh, we're more than, we also do um, uh, weekly debates. Anyone that wishes to uh, debate with me, I invite everyone from any community, any race, any culture. If there's something you want to talk about, if there's anything you want to learn about the Latino community, especially the conservative Latino community, feel free to reach out. Again, Instagram is at conservative.latino. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Bye. All right. Bye.